0: Freedom House Church. Man, so excited to be here with you and just serving today. Man, you guys are ending 2023 the best way in the house of God. And man, we are excited for today. We're doing something a little special. We'll share about that in just a second. If you've been around for the month of December, we've been in this series called Thrill of Hope. And it's been such an amazing series reminding us that we have a hope That came in the form of a little baby known as Jesus Christ. So we can put our hope in him. And so if we haven't gotten a chance to meet you, my name is Adam. This is my wife, Morgan. And we have the esteemed honor and privilege of being the youth and young adult pastors here at Freedom House. And so we are so excited for today. And we want to give a shout out to everybody that's joining us online. We have people from all over, from El Salvador, Peru, Florida, Colorado, Georgia, Virginia, North Carolina, Illinois, Michigan, Alabama, New York, Minnesota, Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Texas, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, uh, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Tennessee. We should have just said who wasn't tuning in. I Dang. know, right, man? Give it, for Give it up for him! Give it up for him! Always love to see people that are tuning in from all around the world, that the reach is extending beyond these four walls and is impacting people all across this globe. So thank you for joining us today. Yes,
1: thank you for joining us, everyone. And if you're new to Freedom House, we do something really special here, really different. Instead of having one speaker beamed into multiple locations, our senior pastors, pastors Troy and Penny Maxwell, let's give it up for them. The mama and daddy of this house, we love them, so thankful for them. Uh, they have this vision of having a live communicator at each one of our campuses. We have three campuses and our online campus. And so uh, that's really special and really unique if you don't know that. that A lot of people aren't doing that. It gives you a fresh word of God every single week. Also, you get to meet the people in the lobby after service, something really special. So we actually don't have one communicator today. We don't have two, three, four. We have five communicators today.
0: What? Tell us about it. It's one of my favorite things that we get to do. Basically, we call it a five-on-five. So if you haven't been around, around for a five on five at Freedom House. Here's how it's going to go. We have five different people that are going to come up and they're going to share a testimony. They're going to share a word that God has laid on their heart for you. And they each have five minutes to speak. And so when it gets down to one minute left in their time, they're going to see this. Bam. then the one minute drill kicks in. They're going to keep going. And then with 30 seconds left, they're going to see this. And then when we get to 10 seconds, this is going to appear on the screens behind me. And as they wrap up, what I want you to do, because we're gonna have some crowd participation today, that's it, when today. they wrap up, we want you to jump on your feet and give them a big round of applause because some of them, this is their first time getting up on this platform and communicating and sharing this word that God has for them. And let me let you guys in on a little secret, all right? So out there, you guys are sitting there all nice and comfortable. You've got a nice coffee in your hands. But from up here, you guys are terrifying, all right? And that's nothing Yikes. personal, it's just when you're all together. It's a little scary. If you didn't know that public speaking is one of, the, one of people's biggest fears. And so uh, these guys have an amazing word that God has for you. And so that's how we're going to show them some support, show them some love. When they're done, we're going to hop up on our feet and give them a big round yes, of applause. Yes, and
1: let me just tell you, Five on Fives have become one of our favorite weekends, and here's why. Because everybody has a testimony. Everybody is working through something, or God is working in their life to do something. These people are about to share that. And often when we look at people in the lobby or we look at people on the platform, we think, oh, they can't relate to us. But then when these people come up and are willing to be vulnerable, willing to share their testimony, their story, the person that you're serving with in the parking lot or they're checking your kids into FH Kids, you begin to be like, wow, wow okay, uh, me too. And there's so much power in being able to hear somebody's story and be like, wow, I can relate to that. Thank you for sharing that. That means a lot to me. Because God did it in your life, I know he can do it in my life. Amen. So that's the encouragement for today. Be tuned in because God's going to speak to you through their story and we're going to walk out with a new level of freedom today because of their willingness to be vulnerable. So we need you to have uh, get up, get excited. When we stand up, everybody stand up. Five, six, seven, eight, cheerleading. Let's go. We're Excited, it Doesn't have to be exactly like. I mean, that. it should we can just though. Cheer and
0: be excited. Just kidding.
1: All right, so y'all already know I can get excited. All right, so we are excited to introduce our first. Speaker, let's get it going. Okay, she is an incredible woman of God. She's a wife, she's a mother of two, and she and her husband have a special place in our hearts and in the hearts of many of our young adults because they are incredible life group leaders for our movement, young adult ministry. Can you stand to your feet, everyone, and welcome to the platform, Jade Baldwin?
2: Thank you so much, Pastor Morgan and Adam. As I began preparing for this message, a specific verse from the Lord's Prayer came into my mind. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Prior to a recent experience I had, I thought I understood what this verse meant. You may have heard of this verse, or maybe the author, David, the giant slayer, he's kind of a big deal. So, I've heard teachings about David, how he didn't see a giant speak to his own lack of size, lack of power, capability, or armor. Instead, he adamantly trusted and hoped in God to rescue his people. So recently, my husband and I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip with our movement Young Adults to LA. To be honest, we do not feel a calling to the missions field, but we do have a calling on our hearts for the young adults. Now, if Pastor Morgan and Adam had explained more thoroughly that that also meant driving in L.A. for seven days, I may have reconsidered my calling to the young adults. I do love you all still. I quickly realized upon arriving at the Dream Center in L.A. that we had tried to prepare the young adults for something that was beyond our worst imagination, we were in a place of hopelessness, as David called it, the shadow of death. Although we were still in the United States, we were in experiencing scarcity, danger, fear of the unknown, that of a third world country. Daily people struggle to have their needs met. To understand our experience, please understand that one third of the U.S. homeless population is in California, and of that one third, approximately 45% exist in LA. We went into communities, had interactions with children, learning that oftentimes they don't know if or when their parent will be coming home. In other communities, we learned that it's common to have shootings in the evenings and death as well. There's a numbness and a coldness around it, even. As we continued, my heart broke, and the pain and the suffering were heavy. One of the hardest experiences that I encountered personally was when an elderly couple came to pick up groceries. And they could not get out of their car, so we delivered them to their car, and they said, will you please pray that the Lord removes us from this world and ends our suffering? There's every reason for them to give up, to be defeated. It's not a trajectory of hope. Yet here we were walking through opposing gang neighborhoods, and do you know what the common ground was? Hope, the message of Jesus, the love of Jesus Many people in the communities believe they're too far into gangs, other vices that they're leaning on to survive. But they let the Dream Center enter their communities and by proxy our presence because they know that this message doesn't pick sides. The raw love of Jesus Christ doesn't care who you are, doesn't consider someone unworthy, unreachable, or invaluable. Similarly to David throwing a stone at a giant with quiet knocks on doors and gentle voices announcing our presence with the Dream Center, we became hope dealers. I never walked through any of the places feeling fear or concern. Every day we received a new assignment and with boldness and hope, we went out to a new location, expectant and excited for what God was going to do, how God would show up and protect us and his purpose. Three things I learned during this time about hope. One, one, Your calling matters. God sees each person for who He made you to be, no matter your circumstances. He does not call the qualified, He qualifies the called. Secondly, we overcomplicate it. It really is as simple as talking to someone, finding out what's going on in their life, and asking them to pray with them or pray for them. And third, it's never too late. You don't have to go on a missions trip, you don't have to make a certain amount of money or meet other earthly criteria in order to know Jesus or help spread the hope of Jesus. He used a boy to defeat a giant. He doesn't work within our human confines. The God we serve is bigger than that. He sent a baby to save the world. He took us to LA to help spread hope in a place of hopelessness. It was a blessing to get to go and see how movement was able to step out. They realized their capacity was greater than they ever thought it could be. That was one of my best memories, was getting to watch them day in and day out. If you're not a part of movement, I strongly encourage you to become involved. We have Bible studies. We're actually going back to the LA Dream Center this year again for 2024. And don't forget that you can be doing these same things right here in your own city. You can be a hope dealer here in Charlotte. There's the same need here. Don't give up on whatever you think you need or whatever you think other people need. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jade, for that. Man, as Morgan said, we, we have a special place in our hearts for, for Jade and her husband, Paul. And I don't know if you could tell, but she might be a little bit soft-spoken, but man, she can bring the truth. I've had the opportunity to sit in on some of their life groups, and she did just eloquently deliver the word, deliver a power-packed punch, and such a great reminder that we are hope dealers, that we can go into dark places, that we can go into troubled situations, and we can carry the light of the world with us. We get to carry hope no matter where we go. So whatever you're facing going into 2024, carry hope with you into those situations. Such a great reminder, and also that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. It's, man, that, if that isn't just the, you know, a breath of fresh air, I don't know what is. So uh, God has a plan and a purpose and a calling for your life. So thank you for that, Jade. This next person that I'm going to be introducing, I'm very excited about because he is one of my favorite people. He is on staff here at Freedom House Church. He's engaged to be married this year, so that's super exciting. And uh, for, for a 23-year-old, he really has a wisdom beyond his years. So I'm excited for you guys to hear uh, what this young man has to say. So if you would, stand up on your feet again for Mr. Ethan Sauden.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Adam, for that uh, nice introduction. So as we know, the whole theme of this five-on-five is all about remembering where we were before Jesus and the hope he brought when he came into our lives. So naturally, this got me thinking about my journey of becoming a Christian. Um, I remember a time when my friend's dad and I were talking one night, and he asked me the question, he said, so what do you believe? You know, those late-night conversations that just get deep for like no reason? I was in one of those. I don't know how we got there. We just ended up there. But I responded back to him saying, you know, I'm a Christian. And he looked at me and said, no, you're not. And it caught me off guard a little bit. I was like, what do you mean I'm not a Christian? And he said, you're not a Christian because you don't act like one. And this statement didn't seem like much to him at the time, but it changed my walk forever. And the funny thing is that this man wasn't even a Christian, a non-Christian, telling a Christian that he's not a Christian. (laughs) But this whole interaction made me think, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian then? I confess to being one, but it seems like I don't act or resemble like one. Does that mean I'm not a Christian then? These were the thoughts that were going around my head. But over time, I learned that being a Christian is someone who puts their faith in Jesus and follows his example, someone who obeys his teaching and his commandments. You see, before, I believed in Jesus just as my Savior, but I did not make him Lord of my life. And there's a big difference between Savior and Lord. Savior is just fire insurance. I believe, but I don't give him my whole heart. But Lord is different. When you make Jesus Lord, you give him control of your life. It's a lifelong commitment to allowing God to make you more like Jesus. It's saying, Jesus, you know better than I do, so I'm going to follow what you say instead of following what I think or feel. It's complete surrender, and this was a big revelation for me. It made me recognize that my whole Christian walk up to this point, I only had Jesus as Savior, but not my Lord. And this led to no fruit in my life. My life showed no reflection of my faith or what I believed. You see, I was a confessing Christian, but I was not a convincing Christian. I confessed and believed in Jesus. However, my life showed no work of the Holy Spirit. So where does the hope come in? Well, the hope for me was in the sanctification process, which is the process of God making us more like Jesus. I accepted Jesus into my heart at 14. However, it wasn't until that conversation I had with my friends dad at 19 that made me start to ask questions about my faith. And these questions and honest self-reflection made me realize that he was probably right. I didn't act like a Christian at all. So I did what I thought would be a good first step, and I started reading the Bible. I would read as much as I could before falling asleep, which was usually about one paragraph (laughs) on a good night. (laughs) But here's the thing. My lifestyle did not change. I was still living for the world. However, every night before bed, despite what I did, I would fall asleep reading the Bible. And this went on for about two years. And eventually, I got to a point where I couldn't stand the feeling I was getting after reading the Bible anymore. I remember a time when I called my dad on the phone. I was like, Dad, I can't do this Christian thing anymore. I don't know why, but every time I read the Bible, I just feel bad. Every time I leave church, I just leave feeling bad. I just don't feel good. Not knowing at the time that that was the Holy Spirit convicting me for the sin I was living in. And this conviction became so strong that it led me to change my actions. No more getting drunk. No more cussing. No more having sex outside marriage, no more only thinking about myself. But these changes didn't happen all at once. It took about a year for me to start to change. You know, one action after another is very slow and gradual. And this process helped me learn that the Christian walk is a journey, not a destination. And the moment we get saved is when the journey actually starts. You know, I think some Christians have a false sense of what happens when we give our life to Jesus. We think that once we're saved, we reach the finish line. How do I know this? Because that's exactly how I thought. I used to think, I'm good. I accepted Jesus into my heart at 14. I'm good. I, I got my fire insurance. I've reached the finish line. I'm good. There's nothing else I need to do. But I didn't understand that once I got saved, that's when the journey actually started. Now, I'm 23, working for a church. And if you asked me at 19 if I'd be working in ministry, I would have thought you were crazy. Like, for real. <laughs> this guy who is living for the world, God was able to sanctify, to help him become the man that he wants him to be. But understanding at the same time that there's a lot more sanctifying that needs to be done. So I want to close with this. Philippians 1.6 says, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work, um, will, his work till finally finished on the day when Christ returns. So that's where the hope is for us Christians. No matter what age or stage we are at in life, God is always working on us, transforming us to be more like Jesus. However, it's only if you let Him. Thank you.
1: Wow, give it up. Awesome. So good. Let me tell you what's gonna mess you up. You can be laying in bed tonight and you'll be thinking about these messages, and you're gonna think Am I a confessing Christian, but not a convincing one? Oh! Hurts so good because what it does is the Holy Spirit whispering. Sorry, y'all might have to turn my mic down. I get excited. That's the Holy Spirit saying, Hey, there's more for you. It's not con- condemnation, it's an invitation for you to go further in your relationship with God. That's the sanctification process that Ethan put so eloquently. Also, we can relate because I know people in here be falling asleep on their Bible. Their Bible becomes a pillow. You like osmosis, suck it in, you know? Hey, Audible. Audible will help you out, audio book. Anyways, thank you so much for your vulnerability. Can we give it up one more time for Ethan, everybody? I love that. And last thing I want to speak to that is he talks about a journey. Freedom House has committed to going on that journey with you. And so if you aren't invested in a life-giving church, maybe 2024, this is your time to get connected, connected here at Freedom House, start going to life groups. You're gonna hear every week we have a video, we call it a bumper, don't tell them I told you that. But we got all this information coming to you, not just so your ears are tickled, but so that you can be invited to take a new step with God. So maybe one or two of those things stood out to you even today. prior to service we were talking about mission trips we got a big mission trip interest meeting coming up maybe that stirs on your heart maybe it's just life groups coming up maybe it's just committing to coming to service every week begin to take that next step in that sanctification process God is with you and we are too here at Freedom House so hey I'm excited to introduce this next speaker he also holds a special place in Pastor Adam and I's heart because he's a part of our FH kids team he's also a part of our vertical youth team let me tell you he is a strong men's leader. He has a beautiful wife, an incredible family, and I know that your number one hit on Spotify in 2023 was the FH Kids raps that we put out, because we have a ton of FH Kids raps. Let me give you a secret. He's the rapper on those raps, okay? So maybe he's going to drop some bars today. I can already tell you he's got some truth and vulnerability in his testimony. Can you come to your feet and welcome DJ Pastif, everyone? (laughs)
4: Thank you for that awesome introduction. So there I was, standing in the middle of the road, in the middle of the night, staring down the headlights of a semi-truck, ready to end my life. So how did I get there? Well, when I was a teenager, I grew up in a big school, I had a lot of friends, I played sports, but the problem was, is I always relied on the awards, the achievements, and the opinions of others to dictate how I felt inside to dictate who I was as a human being. And the big problem with that is, is when you put your trust and your faith in others and in in accolades, you don't ever become fulfilled, right? So I was never fulfilled, but I didn't know that. So until I got to college and I started to find out what drugs and alcohol were, it was very easy to start to use that to fill a void that I had that I didn't even know that I had, started to feel very hopeless in life. I felt like I had no purpose at all. So I lived that way into my 20s, bouncing from job to job, friends, friends, here and there, whatever, partying. But see, it never really went away, that loneliness and that hopelessness. So when I got into my mid-20s, I'm from Syracuse, New York, I decided to move down here to Charlotte, North Carolina to try to run away from the problems that I had put myself in. Now, as most of us know, we cannot run away from things that we feel, right? But for some reason, I thought I could. But see, alcohol, that travels too. Drugs, they travel too. So I found all that down here in Charlotte as well. And still causing myself pain and harm, I decided to keep down this path of life. But see, I ended up meeting my now wife. (laughs) That's for her, at 28 years old. And when we met, she had two young boys. And she was living with her mother, who at the time um, had cancer. Um, And so as we were living together, for about four years, we were coming here to church. And I felt very convicted about the way I was living, but I wasn't changing anything. I still just didn't feel any purpose, any hope. But yet, I had what I wanted to be my future family, my future wife, rely on me. I just put all this pressure on myself to be something that I wasn't to be something that I couldn't be in that moment, right? So that takes us to the moment that I mentioned about in the beginning. So one night after her mom had tragically passed away from cancer, right before we were supposed to get married, I had drank and drank and drank months leading up to that and it all came to a head one night when for some reason I felt it would be a good idea months leading up to that to try to talk to other women, to push away the family that had been there for me, for the last four years, five years. So she knew that. So she went through my phone. She decided to find all this stuff and, and confront me about it. But we ended up outside arguing and after everything she'd been through, you think I'd have a little sympathy for what mistakes I had made, but I didn't. So we ended up kind of wrestling over my phone and ended up kind of falling on the ground and, and Again, I was drunk, so I just remember wrestling it away from her and and thank God I didn't physically harm her. But in that moment, I felt so ashamed and so embarrassed that I, I didn't know what else to do but just try to run away. And I thought to myself, man, if I just leave or end it all, then I would save so much grief for the people that were in my life in that time, the ones that I had hurt the most that I loved. So I ended up in the middle of the street staring down a semi-truck coming at me and thinking to myself, if I just stand here and take it, I don't have to worry about hurting anybody anymore. But something pulled me away that night and I really believe that that was Jesus pulling me away from that semi-truck. And for some reason, she let me back in the house, but I did end up getting back in, falling asleep and waking up the next morning to a notebook that she had got me to take here to church and the verse said, Jeremiah 29 11. for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. See, I didn't realize I had hope and a future for 30 something years. God put people in my life that I loved and cared about, and I still didn't realize that I had something to live for until Jesus performed a miracle in my life, taking me away from something that I thought I didn't deserve to have, which was my own life. I never thought that I deserved to have a good life. I never thought that I deserved to have a good family. But for some reason, it took me to hit that rock bottom night and him to pull me away to say, you know what, DJ, this verse tells you you have hope and a future. So today, I want you to know that you also have hope and a future. Awesome. Man.
0: It's powerful stuff when we share our testimonies about what God has done in our lives. And to reiterate what he said, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. If you're sitting in this place today, if you are drawing breath, God has a plan for your life. It doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what last night looked like. doesn't matter even what you're gonna do in 2024. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And even if, he to, if he has to pull you out of the way of a semi-truck, he will to fulfill the plans and purpose that he has in your life. So today, I want you to know that there is hope. There is hope for you, and God has good plans for you. DJ, thank you for sharing that testimony. <laughs> There's something very powerful when men get up and they share vulnerably about their stories. So thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your vulnerability. And that leads me into this next speaker who is also going to be sharing a very powerful story. And uh, you, you may recognize him. He is a father of four. His wife is on staff here at the church, which means... He's also on staff as well. Uh, basically, he is our honorary staff member. You, uh, his, his daughter may have served you a cup of coffee in our amazing coffee shop, and you may recognize him because he's usually right over there jamming on the bass, leading us in a place of worship. So if you would, stand up on your feet and give it up for Mr. Dave McAllister.
5: Oh, they messed up. They gave a bass player a microphone. Truthfully, I'd be more comfortable back there. This is the longest 10 yards of my life. When I was 20 years old, I learned what cancer was as I watched it devour a grown man in a matter of weeks. Then I learned what loneliness was when I buried my dad. I was hurt. I was angry. I felt abandoned. Some of you have lost a parent, and you know what that feels like, the emptiness Then six years later, I learned that I was the product of an affair, and the man that I buried wasn't actually even my dad. I've been lied to for 26 years. I felt betrayed. I felt like a mistake. They say that when you're different, you don't know that you're different until somebody tells you that you're different. But I knew I was different. I, I knew I didn't, I didn't look like any of my family. The one side for obvious reasons, But I didn't look like my mom's side either. My mom is the the number 11 of 12 kids from first-generation Mexican-born immigrants. Her name is Juanita. It's spelled with a J. (laughs) I didn't feel a connection to either part of my family. When I was at functions with my mom's side of the family, I I felt like such a black sheep, or or rather a white sheep in a brown flock. (laughs) Now don't get me wrong, the food was great. (laughs) I love Manu, though. But I didn't feel like I belonged. I got got sober at 27, and part of the treatment process, um, they take you through a genealogy because it's important to know how you developed your relationship with alcohol and what were your influences growing up. Well, I learned I had a dad-shaped hole in my heart that I was filling with drugs and alcohol. So my mom had four marriages. The irony is, She only had three husbands. See, she remarried number two after number three, which makes him a (laughs) two-by-four. So the first 26 years of my life was affairs, abandonment, abuse, and divorce. And then over and over the same thing, over and over but I believe that, that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you choose to respond to it. And I was not gonna be a victim of my circumstances. So I had my first breakthrough after I got saved. I found myself at a, a men's conference and in the back of the room there was a little book sale and I found a title called, uh, a book called uh, Losing a Dad and Finding a Father. And the premise of the book was that the earthly fathers will fail you. They will make mistakes. But we have a perfect father in heaven that loves us unconditionally, that would never talk down to us, would never bop us on the back of the head, and would never hurt us physically, emotionally, or, or verbally. And that was a breakthrough. I had my second breakthrough when I started attending life groups, and I, I strategically put myself in groups with men that were a little farther along in their walk, they were a little more senior than me, that I could gain godly wisdom from, like a look up to, they became my brothers, uh, my my father figures. My third breakthrough happened right here in this room. Uh, Little over a year ago, my wife and I attended uh, the Forward Conference. It's a two-day event that Freedom House puts on once a year uh, with multiple speakers and different topics uh, designed to help you leave your, your past and your traumas behind and move forward into the life that God intended for us. And through that conference, Every session ends and they tell you to write down on page 85 and 86 what's on your heart to leave on the altar. This guy in the signs. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't write anything down. I got to the end of the, the, the weekend and I had empty pages. But I got to the uh, mother and father wound section and all of a sudden I filled it up. Two pages with small print, filled it up. And I left it here at the altar. And I had... Something changed in my life because before that moment, when I look back on my childhood, all I could remember were those traumas, the, the bad things that somebody said to me or the physical things to harm me. And after I did that, I was suddenly awakened and I could remember family vacations and the fun things that we did and bike rides and lake days and camping trips. And there's freedom that I found in that process and there's freedom for you too. So my prayer is that my story can help someone. Even if it's just one person, every horrible thing in my childhood would be absolved and worth it if I could just help one person. So maybe you have something on on your heart, something in your, your life that you need to leave behind. And you don't have to wait until the next Forward Conference. You can leave it right here today. Thank you.
1: Awesome. So good. I love what he said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% what you do with that. We don't have to be a victim of our circumstance, but we have to choose to not be a victim. And that takes effort and that takes forgiveness oftentimes. It takes healing, it takes work, but it's worth it. And guess who's with you? God, every single step of the way. And he has that freedom that there's, there's nothing else that can provide that type of freedom that he has for you. There's no Nothing, there's nothing else in this world that will provide the freedom that the Holy Spirit will move and do in your life. And I love what he said about leaving things at the altar because we all have things we need to do that with. Maybe it's not that large of a trauma, but maybe it's control. Maybe 2024, you gotta relinquish control. Maybe it's fear, a mindset of, a mentality of I can't do it, or what if something happens, we all have those things in our lives and when we leave them at the altar, what does that mean? That just means we say, hey God, I can't do this anymore. I'm gonna take that thing and I'm gonna replace it with you and with your presence and with your word. And we don't have to do that on a Sunday. You could be doing that in the kitchen, washing dishes on a Tuesday. It doesn't matter because guess what? God's with you. He's for you. He's got you. And so yes, we come together in these environments and that's a perfect opportunity for you to take those things and put them at the feet of the cross, but know that every single day of the week you can do that as well. Thank you. Can we give it up one more time for Dave and his story? And I get to introduce our final speaker. She also has an incredible testimony that I can't wait for you to hear she is a wife, she's a mom of four, so you know she knows what she's talking about, okay? she has been there, done that, four times. She's got the wisdom, and she's got such a good word for us today. She and her husband are leaders here at our central campus, and I can't wait for you to hear what she has to say, so would you jump to your feet, please, and welcome Melly Rose Page to the platform.
6: Thank you, I don't think I'm that wise, but my kids think I'm Google. Um, All right, this person's crazy. Have you ever thought that about somebody? Be honest in church. Yeah, we all have. Um, That's what I thought about people who shared that they struggle with anxiety. I was like, well, have you ever thought about not thinking that way? But then anxiety knocked on my door. I was 19 weeks pregnant with my second child when I fainted in a large crowd, just like this, and it happened again the next week. These two incidents created new pathways in my brain and anxiety made a home in my head as I believed this lies. Quickly it rearranged who I was, my personality, and also my perspective of life. I used to be a fun, extroverted person. I would make plans and drag my husband and family along with me. And then I became a recluse. I couldn't go to the grocery store. I couldn't sit in a restaurant. I, when my friends invited me on park play dates, I just gave them a bunch of excuses. The times I did leave the house to go to church, I didn't hear a word of the sermon. I was just too busy telling myself not to pass out. My husband did everything for me and this was my life for almost three years. Then one day, while eating dinner at home, which was my safe place, surrounded by my family, I began to feel lightheaded and I was absolutely terrified because I realized I wasn't safe anywhere. The anxiety was too strong. I had hit rock bottom. My only response was to cry out to the Lord and I said, Lord, if this is with me for the rest of my life, then at least help me know you more. He said, read my word. This is Jesus starting to work in my situation. So I bought a new Bible, I started a reading plan, and man, I got to know him. I saw that his heart for me was one of goodness and one of freedom and one of care. You see, i had been a Christian for 20 years at this point. And I had it backwards. I thought I needed to fix the anxiety to come back to God. But he was telling me, no, you need me to get through this. I'd been leaning on my husband when I should have been leaning on Jesus this whole time. But while I faithfully read my Bible and prayed, the debilitating anxiety didn't go away. In fact, it continued to suffocate me for several weeks. And during this time, I experienced really a growth in my relationship with the Lord. And then I started to sense that he was telling me to leave the house, to ultimately get out of my own head and go to the grocery store. I realized he was asking me to take a step of faith because faith without works or obedience is dead. You have to understand, my husband was my chauffeur during this time, I couldn't bear the thought of what could happen if I got behind the wheel. But I buckled my kids in the car and I spoke the truth to myself of the God that I had come to know and that he was good and he is kind, and he is with me. But physically, I was like this. And uh, I felt like I was in a sauna, even though it was in the middle of winter. And also, I could feel the nausea just starting to bubble in my stomach and my heart trying to jump out of my chest. I parked the car, my three kids, who were at the time one, two, and three years old, stayed close to me as I pushed the shopping cart towards the entrance, and that's when it happened my vision started to blur, and then my knees started wobbling. And I said, Jesus, help me, help me. And then over my right shoulder, I heard a voice say, I'm with you, I'm right here. It was so audible. I turned my head and there was no one there. But two more times, the Lord spoke those same comforting words. I got through the door, I drove back home and still shaking, but this time not out of fear, but out of complete awe that God heard me and answered, that the God who said he loves me, the God who says, cast your cares on me and I will sustain you, that the God who says he sets captives free, he spoke and prison doors in my mind flew open. Jesus showed up, broke the power of anxiety, and I have been free ever since. Yeah, give him praise. Give him praise for that. So right now, you might feel like you are in a pit or a prison, just like I did all that time. Or you might be sitting there feeling like you have no purpose or have even lost your purpose. But I'm here to tell you, I'm a witness. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. You might be at rock bottom. You might be on a hopeless hamster wheel but he hasn't forgotten you. Hope sees you, hope understands you, and he truly cares for you. And my friends have said this already, but I'm going to repeat it because I know and I've experienced this truth. Jesus has good plans for you. Plans of freedom and healing, plans of wholeness and peace, a future woven with his goodness. Jesus wants to know you personally. So like me, You can experience his living hope today and every day for the rest of your life. Man. Amazing.
0: So good.
1: You can stay standing. We're gonna wrap up. Thank you, Melly Rose, for that. And I mean, she put it so eloquently that Jesus has hope for you today. And I think we said this earlier in service, we don't know your situation, we don't know your circumstance, God does. He knows it even better, than the intricacies better than you do. And he's here for you today. And he wants to meet with you today. He wants to heal those wounds in your heart, begin that journey of sanctification with you today. So if you'll bow your head and close your eyes, there are two groups of people I wanna pray for today. I wanna pray first for anyone in here who during any of those five messages felt a stirring in their heart. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit maybe was saying, hey, That that statement of, are you a confessing Christian, but not a convincing one? Maybe that's something we need to work on this year. Maybe, Maybe the Holy Spirit was stirring when Dave was talking about his father wounds and the Holy Spirit wants you to begin to seek healing in that area. If you had a stirring in your spirit today and you wanna respond to God, say, hey, I hear you. I wanna talk about this more. I wanna take a next step towards freedom in my life. I want you to place your hand on your heart. And then if there is anyone in here who has not yet accepted Jesus as their Lord and savior, there is no better way on December 31st, 2023 to end the year than to step into a new relationship with him. And you may have stepped into it before and walked away, this prayer is for you. You may be unsure, oh, this prayer is for you. And if this is the first time that you're hearing about a God who loves you, who loves you so much he sent his son for you to die on a cross, a sinner's death, this death we deserve, just to have a chance for a relationship with you. And now Jesus is alive and ready to move in our hearts. If, if that's you today and you wanna accept Jesus for the first time or the 10,000th time, I want you to place your hand on your heart as well. And that is a small action to say, hey God, I see you, I hear you. And this prayer we're about to pray, it's from me to you. So let's pray together out loud so you can hear it with your own ears. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for being born on Christmas day for living a perfect life, for dying a sinner's death, and rising three days later for me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I will serve you and honor you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. And let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the Holy Spirit moving in this moment. Holy Spirit, you're so good. Thank you for bringing peace in our hearts, freedom in our hearts, comfort. You know what that is? Hope. Really, it's just you showing up right now in this moment in our hearts, you showing up in a new way, Jesus. You are hope. And that creates a thrill in us that there is a future for us that you have. And we commit in 2024 to pursue that stay faithful to that. Some of us in here today need to commit to coming to church every Sunday. Maybe you were doing it 1.2 times a month. It's time to do it every Sunday. Maybe there are people in here today who need to sign up to serve, who need to get in a life group when they begin in just a few weeks. Lord, I pray they have the courage today and the conviction today to do that, knowing there's freedom and that we are here as a Freedom House family to walk alongside them, We love you, Jesus. We thank you in advance for all the good that's to come. In your name, amen, amen. Amen. Awesome.